0: Welcome to Startup SAC's Sacramento Startups Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Bennett, and today I have with me Caroline Peer, who is the founder of Humaxa, which placed uh, second at our very first Startup SAC warm-up pitch competition back last December. So welcome, Caroline, and let's start out having you just introduce yourself, your background, and then telling people about your startup, what it is, what it does, how it started.
1: Sure. Sounds great, and thanks so much for having me on the podcast, Jeff. I really appreciate it. So uh, very early in my career, I studied instructional technology and cognitive neuroscience because I was fascinated with how people acquired information, how machines acquired information, and how it was possible to really take the two and marry them up hmm. and really get the best of both worlds. Machines helping people do people things and people helping machines do machine things. It's all good, right? So I used this in, started working in defense and moved on to uh, high tech and then eventually landed in HR technology hmm. and started working for an, an early stage startup called ProBusiness in the HR tech space.
0: And this is where? In the, in, in the Bay Area? or Pleasanton. In okay. Pleasanton,
1: California. Yes. And uh, stayed there and then in 2003 we were acquired by ADP. And they kind of just left us alone for a number of years, kind of learned what we were doing. We had incredibly high client retention, and they wanted to look at our service model, wanted to see how we were doing things. And so it wasn't actually until 2007, four years later, that this startup that we worked for was kind of absorbed into Mm -hmm. the greater organization. And at that time, I ended up taking a role with ADP, running their one of their learning and performance uh, departments, out of national accounts in Atlanta. And what is ADP? Uh, They do outsourced payroll, HR benefits, kind of back office processing for HR technology. And so as a part of that, all of a sudden, I had teams that were all over the country that I was managing, and they were putting together learning solutions. And I had the opportunity to speak with clients over this very long period of time, almost 15 years, and literally hundreds of conversations with clients. And so they would talk to me about their biggest problems. And one of the biggest problems that they talked about was having to constantly send new people to our training programs to figure out how to implement our software, how to configure it, how, you know, all these things, because they were constantly having turnover. Mm -hmm. And they would say things like, Well, Carolyn, you guys are an HR tech company. Can't you help us with this? You must have gobs of data. And it was true. And yet I never really felt like I had a good answer. So I would ask them, well, how are you currently solving these problems? A lot of times they would say, oh, we we administer surveys to see what our employees, how our employees feel, mm-hmm. what's making them want to stay, or what's making them want to go. And then we'll, we, we try to implement actions based on that. Mm-hmm. And it was very coincidental. On one side of my ear, I was hearing all these clients talk about this. On the other side, I had my own teams who I was administering mm-hmm. these surveys to. And they would come back to me and say, Carolyn do we really have to do these surveys? Can I just put all fives? Because nothing ever really happens anyway. It's this, you know, it's a big waste of time. If we put anything lower than a five, it means we're going to have to do a whole bunch of extra work. (laughs) And, you know, and so I had, you know, these two messages. First of all, I'm thinking, okay, you know, the employees and employers are not Communicating properly—it's yeah. uh, it, the system is broken. It's not working, and so I kind of said to myself, "You know, Carolyn, this is this is an opportunity to really make a difference in this communication that's not taking place." And so uh, I left ADP in 2017 and convinced uh, two colleagues to join me in founding Humaxa, mm-hmm. and since then. We've been moving forward. We were. It took us about nine months to uh, to release our uh, private beta program. We've had a bunch of awesome clients get on board, help us really figure out how to make this work. So let's let's do
0: the what's the thirty yeah. second elevator pitch of what Humaxy is.
1: So it's an employee retention chatbot. Okay. And so instead of people having to wait for a survey to show up, it will periodically reach out to people and say, Hey Jeff, what do you like about working here? What do you dislike? Mm-hmm. Are you getting the professional development mm-hmm. that you're looking for? Do you feel like you're recognized when you do some when you're able to accomplish something big? Do you feel like you're paid fairly? Do you feel like we recognize people from diverse backgrounds and <laughs> make them feel included? And it it's a conversation. It's mm-hmm. not a survey. It's a conversation.
0: And it, this is digital. It pops it's on
1: all the digital. Phone. It's all through a, a chatbot assistant, almost like Alexa for employee engagement and retention. I
0: kind of think <laughs> <clip-y things laughs> of that little Clippy thing Microsoft. Oh no no not clippy like
1: <laughs> no it's uh, it's yeah uh, I, well I can talk more about the kind of some of the results we're seeing but so far it's been it's been pretty good okay. uh, but uh, the one of the greatest things that we're seeing is that there's about twenty five to fifty percent greater engagement wow. with this fun interactive chatbot who's carrying on conversations that's also trying to take action based on what people say. So if, for example, if I'm the chat bot and you're the employee, I say, Hey Jeff, you know, how do you feel about the professional development that you're getting? And if you say to me, well, Carolyn, you know, it's okay, but I think we could be doing a better job. The chatbot might come back and say, well, What kinds of things are you interested in learning more about? Do you want to know more about JavaScript? Or do you want to practice public speaking? Mm -hmm. Or are you interested in communication strategies? Or, you know, it could be a whole number of things. And you can initiate conversations and topics that it didn't even know existed Mm -hmm. yet and it will try to take action, maybe put you in touch with other people who have common interests or other people who want to practice public speaking or maybe a mentor. So, I mean, the the kinds of conversations it can have are not limited to what it already knows about. So this is
0: an, it's, you said it's a chatbot, <laughs> is this AI machine learning run chatbot? So how was the, how did that, how did the development of that go? Was that something that you created or you hired a CTO to do or, or how did that evolve?
1: <laughs> So I'm very lucky. The the three founders of Humax, we're all we all have a technical background. I'm probably the least technical of all three because my background is in cognitive neuroscience and mm-hmm. theirs is in. Uh, so yeah, our CTO uh, Guillermo he has his um, he was a graduate student in computer science AI. Machine learning, mm-hmm. and he actually dropped out, dropped <laughs> which out I'm school. not. I did not encourage this, but he did <laughs> drop out in order to help found Cumaxa. Right. And uh, our third founder, Gary Saperstein, has 30 years of experience. So we're all technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're lucky in in that regard because you know we can kind of fill in each other's gaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also just creating this user experience that's not just. Uh, I think a lot of times when people hear about chatbots, they think about like a customer service Mm -hmm. chatbot. And this is very different in that it really tries to get to the root of, you know, gosh, Jeff, do you feel stressed out at work? And if you say, well, actually, yeah, I do. It will try to figure out why, you know, are you stressed out because of your workload or maybe your coworkers are stressing you out Mm -hmm. or maybe it's just, you're not sure how to mitigate stress. Like you, you need some stress reduction activities based on what you say. Again, it will try to take action. Would you like to uh, give anonymous feedback to one of your coworkers or a group of coworkers, mm-hmm. or maybe you want to join in a virtual meditation session. You know, it'll keep trying to figure out what's working, and it will use machine learning algorithms, what has worked for other people who've had similar problems in the past, so it'll get better at recommend uh, recommendations. Okay. Yeah. But then it will also figure out for you personally what's been working mm-hmm. and not working. So uh, if you say that you're very interested in Sales and marketing, and uh, communication and negotiation, and things like that. It will know that, and it will start to figure out what's going to resonate with you. And every once in a while, it'll throw in something completely out there to see. You know, hey, do you want to expand outside of kind of your (laughs) core interests and where you want your you know uh, professional development to occur?
0: So, how long did it take to develop that? Yeah, and I assume that it's a continually evolving uh, tech set, but I'm kind of curious how long that took and how parallel that was with your customer validation, getting out there to see right. what customers really wanted versus building the tech and how going sure. to played.
1: Sure. So I will be the first person to say that when we first released the private beta, it was not good. The the first of all, it had no data to go mm-hmm. off, so it didn't know what was going to work and not work, mm-hmm. and we were constantly making a and iterating. And I can remember, hopefully hopefully this is kind of funny, but I can remember sitting next to a client and the client was um, pretending to have participated in a discussion about, uh, I think it was C-sharp. It was a technical discussion. And the chatbot asked, so did you learn something? Would you do it again? And the, the client responded, it was a great conversation. But I got lonely. Little unusual, but the I mean, in all honesty, the chatbot should have been able to handle it no problem. <laughs>
0: so, what did it reply?
1: <laughs> it said, That's great news. And I thought, Oh no. <laughs> you know, I, I really I wanted, a learning to, opportunity I wanted to just crawl under the, the desk and never come out again. Uh, but of course, we're, we're so lucky to have these initial beta clients who are very understanding. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, the one good thing is having a, a, a misresponse, an inappropriate response like that. It wasn't like, you know, planes were going to crash or something terrible wasn't going to happen. It was just a little bit odd. Yeah. Like, oh, that's great news. Lonely is such a strong word. And we realized what we needed to do was open up the neutral response because the beginning of the sentence was very positive. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was a great conversation. But I got lonely and it just didn't know what to do with that. And so, so the
0: value of working with a beta customer helped yes. you inform the tech there.
1: Exactly. So then we knew. So we opened up that you know, that kind of neutral response, we were able to more appropriately respond. Uh, but honestly, we were in that private beta testing for an entire year. That's how long. Well, it you've took. just
0: recently come out of that, haven't you? Or, yes. Where you at? Well, let's so see. Yes. Where you at now? As compared to that? Yes. So
1: we just completed our 1.0 release, mm-hmm. which we consider to be our public, you know, taking the product public, okay. uh, really for the first time. And we're really after this entire year of testing, I finally feel very confident that it provides a ton of value. We're seeing great results. And I think one of the most fascinating things that we've seen so far is that the more awkward and sort of sensitive the topic is in the conversation, the more likely the employee is to open up to this anonymous had bot. Really? And yeah, I mean, it, it's a little bit counterintuitive and that was part of Maybe what,
0: because it's a bot, not a person.
1: It is. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you were going to, like, let's say uh, you wanted to give feedback that you felt like people, uh, maybe from a certain background, weren't being properly recognized. Mm-hmm. And even if your boss said, you know, hey, Carolyn, you know, how do you feel that we're doing at this organization about, you know, people from all different backgrounds feeling included and mm-hmm. and. I If I wanted to say, you know what, I don't think we're doing a very good job of that, it might be a very awkward conversation. But because you can, by default, keep all your conversations anonymous with this chatbot, then what we're seeing is that people are much more likely to kind of open up and give authentic feedback that goes hmm. way beyond how do you feel on a scale from one to five Is it because they're not
0: being something. judged or they know they're not going to be uh, criticized or get backlash on it? Think?
1: It's hard to tell exactly why we're seeing those results. But if I had to guess... I would say a small part of it is that... The bot itself has a personality that's very disarming. He's kind of funny and personable and self-deprecating. So, like in the example of the uh, the question about diversity and inclusion, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways that that he talks about it. But one possible way is, you know, we bots are all very diverse. Some of us have <laughs> antennae. Some of us are good at data processing. Some of us are good at telling jokes. Some of us, you know, it it kind that's of lightens great. up the mood a little bit. And so our, our guess is that maybe, but then it, it, it'll switch and say, but diversity and inclusion is no joking matter. We mm-hmm. really would like, I really would like to know how you feel about how we're doing here. And so that might be a little part of it, but honestly, I think probably the biggest part of it is that it takes action based on what you say. So if you say, gosh, I don't feel like we're doing a good job of making people from diverse backgrounds feel included, it might suggest hey, we have these open positions. Can you think of anyone from a diverse background who might be a good fit? And it will link out to that. Or maybe it will say something like, gosh, you know, maybe you could take some time to thank and recognize somebody from a diverse background who's maybe been looked over or something. So it will try to, there's, it really, um, it's, no one's incentivized to lie or to Mm -hmm. make things sound better than they are if they really feel like there's an opportunity to improve because it's going to take action.
0: So, without getting too far into the technical aspects, sure. so how does this then link to the management? So, like mm-hmm. you said, it was anonymized. So, how does then the management get these, this input from the? from these conversations sure. with the and and do anything with that?
1: Sure. So on the back end, the data is being tracked in 18 different dimensions. Um, all things that we know play into making people feel engaged and perform mm-hmm. the best that they can on the job. And as it's tracking all this data, you can set thresholds when the data starts going the wrong direction. Once it reaches a certain threshold, it will start throwing flags for the administrator of the mm-hmm or administrators of the system and say, you know, heads up, this is where you need to look. These are the things that are performing mm. well and these are the things that really require attention and that it will let you dig into the, the depth of what people are saying. This it's more w- of a
0: meta report then to give them a broad mm. sense of the climate in the, in the yes. organization.
1: Yeah, I mean, it starts high level, but then you can drill into much more, you can drill into the actual comments that people mm. are making. You can drill into... Uh, it will, because it doesn't just look at the comments. It also looks for theme. It looks for keywords Mm -hmm. and it looks for sentiment and, uh, gravity of the sentiment. So if someone comes in and says, Hey, we're doing a terrible job with whatever Mm -hmm. it will bubble that up to the top. It filters based on strength of feeling also. And so, uh, and if that person has chosen to put their name down, uh, it gives the, uh, the manager or the leader or the administrator the option to reach out Straight away. So
0: maybe a metaphor is coming to mind it really gives them some insights into kind of the climate of their organization. It's like a it's like a long range weather forecast report. Weather forecast, you know, in the past, you know, hundred years ago we didn't we couldn't see what was coming. Right. This allows them with some data to see some broader themes. Oh, there's a storm system dropping down from this division over here (laughs) and they're gonna interact with that division over there and there's gonna be a big storm. Interesting.
1: Right. So it saves time not having to look at all the data, but zeroing in on where the biggest opportunity is and it uses several different algorithms kind of point people to that you know pay attention here and the whole reason of course is then to prevent people from leaving prevent mm-hmm. performance issues prevent people from kind of checking out you mm-hmm. know physically still at work but kind of yeah. checking yeah. out prevents all these things from happening right. in the first place is the is the goal
0: so you just open up from your beta to your official launch um so you, I assume you have a set of, of you had a set of beta customers um, you're working into a set of customers now maybe talk a little about that that customer sets um, any realizations or challenges you faced in in that I think you said earlier you, you had a surprise as far as what kinds of organizations were finding the most traction out of it
1: yeah so when we when we first started soliciting for uh, beta customers we thought we were going to be targeting more small to mid-sized organizations Organizations, which, frankly, I mean, it, it works well in mm-hmm. the 50 to 200 employee size companies. Mm-hmm. However, what we're seeing recently is kind of pull from the market that's more uh, upmarket, mm-hmm. over a thousand employees. Mm-hmm. We're talking, uh, we're still talking with an organization right now. It started with 800 mm-hmm. employees, and all of a sudden, it went up to 25,000 employees, mm-hmm. and. I have no idea what's going to happen, but now we're talking 144,000 employees. So I don't know exactly where that's all going to go. But the point is, it seems like because the solution itself and the technology itself was built to be horizontally scalable, there's really no upper limit to uh, to how we could scale. But bring the value of building this workplace community where people feel valued and perform their best the the larger the organization the more uh uh, fractures uh, have the more silos start occurring uh especially when an organization's not all located in one Hmm. office building on one place uh those kind of you know uh, the, the dissonance between these different employee groups kind of starts to come yeah. into play and what we've found is our solution works very well to bring that together and to be able to see data and connect people in ways that is possible with the way that employees like to work and expect to work today. They expect to work flexibly. They expect to mm-hmm. be able to work remotely in some cases. They expect to uh, be listened to mm-hmm. and be heard.
0: So, so with with technology, a, a solution that is so broadly applicable to so many mm-hmm. countries, um, not only here in Sacramento, but geographically everywhere, how what was your go-to-market strategy? Who did you prioritize as far as reaching out? Was it here local? Was it a certain industry? Um um, what's your kind of plan as far sure. as that?
1: So uh, I was very lucky in that I already had 17 years of experience in HR technology. So I knew a lot of people, which is a good thing, and it's also a bad thing. The good thing is, is I already kind of knew people who I thought I could get on board to try this out and was very lucky to have found partners who were willing to give us a... Give us a try very mm-hmm. early on. Mm-hmm. Um, so those
0: connections are basically been critical for you. It, it,
1: yes, definitely it would definitely help to having been in the industry for, for some time. The bad part is that if that's not scalable, mm-hmm. you know, now so you talk about go to market strategy, now we're looking at, okay, uh, you know, there's only so many people Carolyn knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what um, you know, what's our next and I think that there's I'm sure most startups find this, there's a lot of experimentation that goes on with that and you kind of see where you're starting to get residents. Yeah. Um, Places, again, that were a little bit of surprise. We uh, started having some conversations with manufacturing Mm. organizations. And one of the things we found is that, for example, um, industrial engineers are in high demand and require a lot of training, especially initially coming into an organization. It's very expensive Mm -hmm. to hire very good industrial engineers and you don't want them to leave. And it seems Seemed like in that particular vertical, there was there were some problems Mm -hmm. that that we could help with. Um, That was a little bit of a surprise, but again, through experimentation, we're kind of figuring out where where resonance um, occurs, and and then we we shift and you know change our go to market strategy just just a little bit.
0: Mm Okay, (laughs) so a couple different questions popping in my brain. Um, Let's talk about. What do you think is the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome so far in the journey?
1: That's a really good question. I would say the number one challenge that we've had is people's sort of innate discomfort with... AI, hmm. with artificial intelligence, with machine learning, I think, I mean, part of it might even be <laughs> what do people see in the movies, you know? Yeah. I mean, I literally had somebody ask me, Carolyn, is your AI chatbot going to go out and tell all my employees to go find a job somewhere else? And I thought, oh gosh, you know.
0: <laughs> it's, so there's got to be some educational component to Sure. So you've got to explain all this to yeah. it sounds like.
1: Yeah. And even just the concept of a chatbot, mm-hmm. some people are just immediately turned off by that because their vision of what a chatbot is is, you know, let me, you know, press one for customer service, press two it's for. <laughs> tree. Right, exactly. Which is this horrible example that, you know, we don't really want to be compared right. to. And we've taken great measures to overcome that mm-hmm. in order to make it fun and meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people to provide authentic feedback, but there's still a lot of you know, communication that needs to occur and people need to feel comfortable. They need to trust the technology, uh, both from the employee side and the employer side. They need to know that it's working on their behalf and that there's a win-win
0: and now it's probably easier for you. You can actually show you've got the, you've got the text for the long, you've got some data, you've got some examples in these sure. cases, case studies that you can show yeah. the, the benefit and the value. Right?
1: Gradually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that was the biggest challenge. What's the biggest win that you've had? The biggest celebration you've been able to, or biggest thing you can celebrate now this early, because you're pretty early still. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Gosh. I mean, I think the data itself, the fact that people are so much more willing to engage with the chatbot assistant, we didn't know how, how that was going to happen. And the fact that you know, people, uh, one of the things they can do when the chatbot first introduces itself, it'll try to find out a little bit like what people are interested in, where their you know, career aspirations lie. But one of the very first things it says is, how often should I be able to contact you? And hmm. the, one of the choices is never. Hmm. And there's a, you know, a small percentage of the population that chooses never. Hmm. Of course, they can reach out to it right. anytime they want. But it will not reach out to them if they put never. And what we're seeing, which is very interesting, is um, people find out about activities or mentoring sessions or things that are going on who have maybe put... Never, mm-hmm. and then, gosh, Jeff, how did you know about that happening? Oh, the chatbot told. Chatbot told you? Oh, well, maybe I'll, I'll go in and actually. change, you know, change how often he can contact me, things like that. Cool. So, I mean, you know, it's still very much in the you know initial stages, but I'll say just seeing some of those uh, changing behaviors is. A small win, but a good win for
0: us. So we're in the end of September. What's on your horizon for, what's in your works for now from now to the end of the year?
1: Sure. Uh, We've got an extremely packed schedule for the next four weeks. Uh, So in uh, the very beginning of October, we're headed to uh, Las Vegas Mm -hmm. for arguably one of the largest HR technology conferences in the world. It's called HR Tech. Mm -hmm. And we're a vendor there. Mm -hmm. And then we're immediately coming back to Sacramento. And then the very next week, uh, we're going to be a vendor at the uh, AI Dev Conference in San Jose. Mm And then the week after that, uh, I'm giving a presentation at the Disrupt HR uh, event in San Francisco. And I think things will, around the middle of October, things will kind of uh, start dying down a little bit as far as our just crazy schedule. But really, uh, we're hoping to connect with as many organizations as we can mm-hmm. that need our help, mm-hmm. that have expensive turnover or they're concerned about the future of the employees, how they feel. Maybe their jobs are changing. How can we help people People perform the best that they can on the jobs and feel good about it. And so... Uh, we'd, of course, love to work with more organizations as
0: so, well. So, uh, great segue. So, how do people find you? How can people connect with you if they're intrigued by this, from watching, listening to this, or at those trade shows?
1: Sure. So, our our website is www.humaxa.com.
0: H-U-M-A-X-A.
1: H-U-M-A-X-A, just like it sounds. And um, I'm Carolyn Peer, and uh, my email address is carolyn.peer at humaxa.com. I'm easy to find. I'm all over Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, <laughs> the web. Uh, Are I'm you not using hard to find. social
0: media a lot and finding traction on that for humaxa?
1: Uh, definitely from feedback and sharing kind of where we're going to be, what's going on, mm-hmm. what results we're seeing. Uh, we also try to share that out on our blog, mm-hmm.
0: uh, which is on our website. Uh, humaxa.com. Okay. Uh-huh. And you know, uh, what's your top traction-wise uh, social media platform, Twitter, facebook instagram
1: oh gosh you know it's
0: I'm just kind of give people options if they wanted to
1: play right a well <laughs> the way that we have it kind of set up right now all roads lead to our website right, and then of course it's possible to uh get in touch with us easily on the website request a demo ask a question find out more information check out our blog okay. kind of that's probably the easiest way. Okay. Um, but you know, email works well, or you know, tweet me or reach out on LinkedIn.
0: All okay. those good. All those so you get through all this this roadshow portion mm-hmm. um, and trying to make connections and basically get people, you know, eyes on your product. Where do you see yourself? That let's say that happens. Where do you see yourself a year from now? Say, what's your vision or your hope to? To be down the road a little bit.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, one of the first and foremost things is we believe very strongly that our application should come to you and that you shouldn't have to go and download an application. Mm -hmm. You don't need to download anything. You just need to Exist in whatever technology you're already using, whether it's Slack or Microsoft or uh, text chat. So we are building those integrations. Oh, so you're
0: building APIs to, to yes. latch into the, to, um, Slack or right. whatever platform. Okay. Right. Right. Interesting.
1: Yeah, and we did that mostly based on feedback that we were hearing from our initial user group. Mm-hmm. Was we don't want to have to go download another app. Oh, okay. Well. What apps do you already have? Oh, we use Slack. Okay, great. We'll come to you right in your Slack channel. And that's how the... Does that
0: make the install and onboarding a little bit more onerous on your part, though?
1: No it doesn't it takes five clicks
0: really wow. it takes
1: five clicks to install yeah now setting it up and kind of customizing it asking the right questions that's a conversation that we have with each of our clients mm-hmm. to make sure that it's going to be a successful implementation but yeah the actual technology is easy
0: so i uh, wanted to kind of go back to the product a little bit uh, your pitch uh, i remember seeing uh, almost a year ago um it seems like you had some saying so this is Basically, providing savings for the clients. So, give us some numbers out there. So, how much can people expect to save uh, through employee retention by using QMAXA?
1: So, the example I like to give is if you have a hundred employee company, if we can stop one person from leaving. In two years, who otherwise would have left? Mm. You break even, mm. and everything else on top of that, and all the intangibles about people being more engaged on the job and sharing knowledge with other people and being able to perform better, and all those things—those were all just you know extras that come okay. come along with it. So, yeah, um, yeah, and then time. Is, I mean, honestly, time is one of the biggest savings. Mm. The amount of time it takes to implement. Uh, any kind of a survey and wait for all that data. And I mean, I'll, even on my own teams, having to, you know, beg them to please go take these surveys. Can you please go take these surveys? It would take weeks and weeks, and then we'd have to wait more weeks to get all the data and then have a meeting about the data that we saw, how to present it out, and then have another meeting about, okay, this is the actual presentation of the data, and then have another meeting about putting together an action plan, and then another meeting to follow up and see, how did the action plan, how's the action plan coming along? I mean, the amount of time administratively that we spent rolling this out, gathering the data, processing all that data, and then rolling out the action plan, Um, I mean, it's, we like to say, it, it takes it from... Weeks, eight weeks to eight seconds. I mean, it's
0: it's like that. It seems to me, you know, I you know, I had I worked at a really large company for for several years at Boeing. Um, in big companies like that, hundreds of thousands of people, it seems like the insights that the data from this could provide is to the management there as far as problems percolating over here in this division and over that in that organization it could just be priceless if they could kind of get that that forecast of oh, this is something's going wrong over here and be able to see that just would be just be a killer application for for the management or middle management over there yeah
1: Yeah, that's our goal make it easy make it fun make it easy make it worthwhile
0: so i wanted to switch gears just a little bit and talk a little bit about um, your experiences here in the sacramento startup region so what has been helpful for you as a startup um, launching here in the region what's been helpful what do we need here in the community that we don't have
1: sure so I moved to the Sacramento area in 2006, and I, I moved from the Bay Area. And I'll tell you, the, there were some r- really unexpected benefits of coming here that I didn't anticipate. I knew, you know, that the you know the traffic was going to be less and things like that, um, and you know maybe the prices would be a little better and things like that. But I'll tell you, I what I didn't realize is how much. I had going on in my brain when I lived in the Bay Area just to do the most basic things like go get groceries like oh, I can't go get groceries. now it's five o'clock. it'll take me three hours to just go get groceries you know uh, Or oh, I'd really like to see that person over on in Oakland. Oh no, there's a bridge you know oh, there's a bridge, can't go there. no, can't do it. just but this constant trying to juggle all the pieces, the first thing that really impressed me when I moved to Sacramento is, wow, I have all this extra space in my head that I don't have to wow. think about all these other logistical things that you do when you come from a big city, like, you know, it's probably not just San Francisco, but, you know, the Bay Area in general. Mm-hmm. And, like, I could think so much clearer. That part is fantastic. You know, it's a smaller community. The startup community is smaller. Mm-hmm. And it feels more like a family. Mm-hmm. You go to an event here, and you're like, oh, I know. I know all those people. And it's great because people, I think when they feel, like a family, they feel more... uh, They want to help each other Mm -hmm. more than they do if if you're just a a stranger. Mm -hmm. And um, part of uh, when I used to attend events in the Bay Area, they were good events, but it wasn't always the same people, so everyone was... Oh hi, my name is Carolyn. I you know this is you know it was always new, new people. Mm-hmm. And it was harder to to make connections, and it was also kind of um, fragmented. You know, like the San Francisco people didn't necessarily talk to the you know the Peninsula people, and they didn't <laughs> talk to the East Bay people, and then there was the South Bay people. <laughs> Here it's smaller, but it's it's kind of centrally. You know, like you, you get people together, mm-hmm. and everybody kind of knows each other, which is great.
0: Um, Good to hear you. Yeah. All right. So, any um, any last things out, shout outs, or asks of the local community or startups out there, or or anybody for that matter?
1: Uh, well, I'm I'm just a really big believer in helping other people and hoping that other people will help us too. Mm-hmm. And so, I would love to uh, do that and continue to do that, whether it's uh, helping helping other people get introduced, I can make introductions, mm-hmm. or maybe people are willing to introduce me or introduce Humaxa to organizations that would benefit from uh, partnering with us or using our product. We would love to love to do that. That sounds great. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Congratulations yes. on, on launching a successful startup, and thanks for your time.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right.